Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Uncork Corner Podcast. I'm Nick. I'm here with my co-host, Bianca, and we're excited to welcome Dustin today from Nice Brewing up here in Maine. Dustin, let's have you uh, introduce yourself. Tell us about the brewery and about your history in brewing. Uh, yeah, so I own Nice Brewing Company over in Limerick, Maine. Um, we started Nice back in 2013, um, so almost eight years old now, which is a little, little crazy to think about. Um, we started off as a very German focused wheat centric brewery originally. Um, about three years in, we really began to diversify that uh, with a larger production facility and more tanks and getting into more lagering and a little more traditional German style beers. And we've just kind of been going since. Um, but the concept when we started was we saw the IPA craze coming. Uh, not my favorite style of beer. And we wanted to do something different and kind of buck the trend right off the bat. So, you know, nobody was really doing wheat based beers. Uh, let alone German styles, Hefeweizen yeast strains. Uh, so we just knuckled onto that and and wrote it to see where it went. And it's really, really done well for us. Um, there's definitely a, a want for those style of beers. And now that we're eight years beyond when the, the hop craze really popped and happened, even though it's still around, we're seeing a, a huge resurgence in people going back to clean beers and older styles and more traditional styles. So it's it's great to see that finally come back around. And here we are sitting and waiting for it. And that was uh, actually my entry into kind of the craft beer scene when I was first getting into, you know, drinking outside of the normal domestic stuff. I was always a big fan of like Blue Moon and I wanted to see kind of the next jump. All right, what is a, you know, who's making like really good craft versions of this style of beer? So I started searching out and learning more about the different wheat styles and Hefeweizens and everything, Um, you know, like the Harpoons and some of those other big names, the UFOs. And uh, it's always still going to be one of my favorite styles. I love it. It's just, uh, there's nothing, no bitterness, nothing harsh about it. It's just a really clean, easy drinking, tasty beer. Um, and yeah, sometimes you get some good fruit notes out of it and everything. Uh, I mean, to pop in, you you really hit it. The the lack of bitterness uh, in, in wheat beers, Hefeweizens in particular, uh, white, uh, Belgian whites and things like that is what we find people really gravitating towards. People that don't like bitter, can't handle bitter, um, they love this style. Yeah. And yeah, it's just a really easy, fun one to drink without. Also, it doesn't feel like, a, you know, if you're drinking you know, crazy double IPA or something really high in the ABV, it always, it'll hit you, you'll feel it. You know, you'll have one of them and it's, it's like a commitment. You're like, all right, I'm going to have one of these and I'm going to feel it all night. It's going to sit there in my stomach. But uh, it's just, yeah, this is a sticky mouth. <laughs> yep, exactly. So it's just, a, it's a really good one. So when it comes to that German inspiration, your name obviously nice g-n-e-i-s-s uh and that style what came first sort of that love for the german beers and then you spawn the brewery out of that or did you come up with this great name idea and you're like oh let's do german style so they kind of came hand in hand um we decided to head down this german road and while we were thinking that i'm a geologist by training um you know i spent eight years at the university of maine in orono getting a couple degrees in earth sciences and geochemistry and nice is a type of metamorphic rock. And as we were developing names and what we wanted to do, I wanted to continue um, educating people. So keeping with the concept of geology, naming some of our beers that way, the name kind of fell into place and we're thinking Weiss beer, nice vice. And that, that was just kind of, it just worked out really well that way. And have you always been in Limerick or is that somewhere that you moved to as you've grown over the eight years? Uh, so actually... 
we've been, the facility has been there uh, the entire time. And I grew up there. I bought eight and a half acres uh, of land for my parents to start this project uh, eight years ago. Nice. And uh, so that I'm assuming that's kind of a hometown that's your parents were at, or you're just familiar with the area. And that's why you wanted to kind of launch out of there. Yep. I had moved back from um, Orono in 2010, um, worked at a few different places. And by 2012, 2013, I was, I was ready to start my own project and needed some capital somehow. So I was able to get some land for my parents and that kind of just started the whole process going. And, you know, I love it out there. It's, it's the middle of the woods. It's the middle of nowhere. It's very, you know, it's not the city. Um, it's very quiet. It's peaceful. You can disappear and be kind of anywhere you want. You could be anywhere in Germany um, drinking the beer at the same time that you're just sitting in Limerick doing it. So it's, it's, it's a great spot. I love it. Yeah. And I actually have a friend from Boston that that's where we're from originally Bianca and I, uh, she's still down there. I'm up here in Westbrook now, but yeah. a friend that had a vacation house nearby, you know, near Limerick. And that's, uh, he was familiar with you and he's how I got introduced. So, um, we wanted to reach out and talk to you. I took a drive out there and I love the space going back where all your picnic tables are in the woods and everything. It just really is. It was peaceful, isolated, kind of in nature outdoors, but you know, it's, uh, definitely a nice way to get introduced to that and uh, just sit down and have some nice beers but do you find a lot of the people that come into your tasting room are locals to the area or more tourists that come up there or people that kind of take the truck out from portland area like i did it uh really depends on time of year but we get a pretty good mix um you know, in the wintertime, we survive off of, of, of our locals, our local following. Um, Friday night is really local night. Um, all year round, we, we get all of our good friends and everybody lives in the area come out and they all have picnics together and bring food. And it's, it's really fun to watch. And then by Saturday and Sunday, you know, Portland, Massachusetts, New York, Vermont, um, you know, people on beer missions from all over the place. And then as we get into the tourist season, um, you know, everywhere in the area really booms because there's just lakes everywhere. Yep. So we do have a, we have a huge Massachusetts um, collaborative that shows up um, to their lake houses and spend, you know, countless hours out there. So it's really all over, which, which is great. I mean, it's, it's nice. We, we get few people from Portland, um, getting people out of Portland is difficult. Yeah. There is a it's lot of breweries. beer over here and it is a drive, <laughs> but. So you've been around for eight years, which means you've produced quite a bit of beer. Uh, what are some of your staples that you have and what does your portfolio of brews look like right now? Um, so our flagship is Nice Vice. You know, it's what kicked us off, it's what started us. Um, it was a, a curious endeavor to see, you know, Hefeweizen summer beer. We knew it was going to do well in the summertime, but we were amazed at how well it did in the wintertime and how well it still does because it offsets draft lines from, you know, your double IPAs and your Imperial Stouts and all your dark beers. And, and some people just want something quenching and delicious in the middle of winter. Um, and summertime, you know, it, it's just so easy to drink. Uh, otherwise, right now, um, you know, we produce Sun and Shine, which is our Kolsch, which is another one we'll be tasting. Um, that is, makes up almost a third of our entire production. And we only do it between April and August. Um, so it's kind of a turn and burn beer, but it's another really easy drinking summer beer, super clean, um, very refreshing. Just that, that Kolsch style is wonderful. And it's a very traditional style as well. Uh, we've also, we do a lot with our new German Pilsner that we've been working with for a little over a year now, Nord, uh, a little crispier on the hot profile than, um, Vald, which is what I'm having here with my dinner, uh, 
We started with Vald several years ago, which was a Bavarian Pilsner, a Southern German Pilsner, very soft on the palate. Uh, Nord is a Northern German, again, crispier, a little snappier hot profile, um, which really jives with how people are drinking these days. And it's, it's taken off for us, which is great. Then as far as our year round beers go, we do twice, which is a 7% version of the Weiss beer. It's a Weizenbach or strong wheat beer and tectonic tomahawk, which is our white IPA. So obviously we still produce an IPA. It's not like we're anti-IPA, but we, we don't do New England styles. We don't do juicy hazy, um, definitely the hazy because of the wheat, but not, not like you're thinking. Uh, and tomahawk's done with tomahawk uh, hops. Gives it an earthy, spicy bitterness, and it's 6.7%, that big wheat component, nice and creamy. Um, so it's a really fun beer, but it's different than what's out there. And they're, you know, it, it, we find it to be a little more of a love-hate relationship with it. Either people love it or it's just not their, their cup of beer. Um, then we have just a, a significant amount of one-offs that we've done in the last eight years that have, you know, just for fun doing things. Um, some things come back, some things never come back, and you just kind of see how it goes. But part of what I like doing is making beer. Um, recipe development and making beer is true to style um, is what I love to do. You're in the right well, industry for it. Yeah, <laughs> you're doing great. That's the truth. Um, so what was the most difficult or I guess tricky beer that you found when you were trying to make all those different one-off beers that you're having fun, just kind of playing around? Was there one that was exceptionally difficult for you to work with? Uh, no, I think the most difficult thing for me to brew um, originally was really gaining an, a concept of how Hefeweizen yeast behaves. Um, there's, there's a reason that there's not a lot of Hefeweizen breweries. Um, a lot of yeasts are very neutral. They ferment, they make alcohol, they give you some flavors here and there, um, but they do their jobs and they're really good at it. Uh, Hefeweizen yeast is very fickle. It, it, um, you know, you're looking for that cloudiness in the beer. You're looking for these banana flavors, maybe light clove. Um, a lot of that's temperature driven. And then also how we propagate the yeast and reuse it. Um, to avoid the beer clearing or it being way too hazy um, and almost thick and turbid, which we don't want. So it's a, it's a really delicate strain. And over the first um, year of working with it, we learned a lot about um, how we wanted to harvest it, how we wanted to treat it, how many iterations it could do before it started to evolve and change flavors too much. Um, but otherwise, you know, making beer is kind of the same process over and over. It's just a different difference of ingredients. Um, I would say also like high ABV stuff, uh, eight, nine, 10%, where your mash ton is like overflowing with liquid and you're trying to mix it and get it all, all in there um, are, are fairly difficult beers, but the process is all, all enjoyable. Did you uh, start with home brewing and kind of experimenting with these before taking on the challenge of starting your own brewery? Yep. Yeah, I, um, I basically got a second degree in water chemistry. Um, I grew up in the restaurant industry and I had a friend who was homebrewing and started to homebrew. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, like this is all water chemistry and, and soup and food. You know, this is basically what I've been doing for um, 25 years. So I just got all of a sudden I, I just started brewing and brewing and brewing and brewing. And it got a little out of control in the homebrew scale. And then, um, you know, I just needed bigger tanks. And is that uh, kind of when you discovered that you wanted to go with more of that device style? You wanted to, you know, making what you wanted to drink really is something that we've seen a lot too with other home brewers turned full-time brewers. They just, yeah, yeah. it was um, happenstantial, I guess, that summer before I decided that this is what we wanted to do. Um, 
I was making German beers. I was doing a lot with wheat beers and really having fun with them and really just loving drinking Hefeweizens in the summer. Um, and then put a business plan together. And again, I, I saw that IPAs were coming. Um, we knew Bissell was opening around the same time, um, Banded and um, a couple other breweries. You know, it was, a, it was a pretty big boom year back in 2013. And they were very, there was all very hop driven. So again, me not being a big IPA person, falling in love with the uh, Hefeweizens, it just made sense to go that route. And outside of the uh, tasting room there that you have in Limerick, where can people kind of get their hands in your beers? Are you in stores anywhere around there? People can get the cans. Are you on taps at local restaurants? Yeah. So um, we definitely saw a massive consolidation uh, last year uh, with everything that happened. And we were in the process of changing distributors over the last year as well. So we definitely saw our brand reach out for the entire state of Maine and then get sucked back into a very local area. Um, and now about a month and a half ago, we finally made the move into a new distributorship and we are just running around crazy trying to get enough beer made for them to put back in, you know, basically Kittery to Bar Harbor. Um, and we're also in New Hampshire and Massachusetts and Rhode Island. Nice. So let's get into some of the tasting, huh? That's uh, the oh, part that yeah, I've been okay. waiting for. Drinking a Weiss? Let me go. Yep, grab a... I'm going to start with the nice Weiss and then we get the sun and shine. All right. So, yeah, start with the nice Weiss. So, do you want to, you're pouring there. I'll have you uh, start and kind of take it, take us through it, the flavors and everything while I enjoy it and take my first sip. So, if you want to talk a little bit about the, you know, making of the beer, the flavor profile, everything for our listeners that don't have it in their hand right now. Sure. Um, so it's a true to style Hefeweizen with a, a little bit of an American caveat to it. So we use uh, one of the oldest yeast strains in the world um, that's produced Hefeweizens for over a thousand years. Um, it's a 70% wheat malt. Um, and we use all, uh, for the most part, we use all German malts um, out of the Weirmann Malting Company in Bamberg, Germany. Again, one of the oldest maltsters in the world, um, making some of the highest quality grains. Since we make such soft beers, meaning not a lot of hops, um, yeast component here definitely makes up a lot of the flavor, but in some of our lagers, you're really looking at tasting the grain. Um, so high quality grains are extremely important to us. And then there's about a 30% component of Vienna malt, which is just a lightly roasted barley, uh, lightly malted barley, not roasted. Um, and that's it. It's a, it's a pretty simple recipe. The American caveat comes with, um, when we were brewing it, we added cascade hops, the uh, hop of American brewing, the backbone of American brewing. And one of the reasons that we wanted to do that was Hefeweizens in the old days, 80s, 90s, uh, were served with a, a lemon or an orange or some sort of citrus. Um, that in the craft beer industry is, is now like a no-no. Um, <laughs> With Hefeweizens and white beers, um, knowing Rob Todd at Allagash is always, you know, is a funny story with him and, and those style of beers. But by adding Cascade, it gives you a citrus component kind of built into the beer. So the lemon becomes unnecessary and you get a little bit of that lemony citrus already in the beer rather than the more robust versions that Germany provides. And um, that's definitely what I get it when drinking it. Uh, the first thing when sipping on it is it's definitely that, you know, it's a got a first it's very light it's crisp it's got a great breadiness to it um mm -hmm. super smooth drinking as i would expect it to be 
And then at the end there, you're getting that, you know, almost like a residual sweetness on the tongue. That would be like the lemon out of trick and a beer with, you know, adding a lemon to it. So I definitely get what you're thinking there. Bianca, yeah. what did you think of this one when you got to try it? I love them both. I actually told Nick uh, that it was one of my favorites that I've had in a while. And I, I love, I like beer a lot, um, but not every style. And I think that I liked how light and fruity and just like easy on the palate it was to drink. And that was my favorite thing about drinking yours because it, it really is just a, a, it was a very refreshing, like great, just like after work, I just cracked it and had it. And I was like, this is exactly what I needed. So great after work beer. Yes, for sure. absolutely. A um, couple of the other things that make it unique are um, we almost over attenuate it um, compared to what the German style of the Germans do. So the German Hefeweizens are a little more robust, a little thicker, a little sweeter, definitely catered towards that German palate. This beer for us, I mean, we were setting up in Limerick, Maine, trying to get Miller Bud Coors people to drink craft beer. So we kind of took that into account when we did it. We wanted it to be a little lighter, a little cleaner, a little crisper. Um, so we didn't want that sweetness. So we dry it out. We let the um, we let the yeast do about 80% of the residual sugars, which is a, a fairly high amount for a Hefeweizen. So it's very dry. Um, and then another thing that was a, a major learning curve for me was an ingredient that nobody ever talks about, and that's uh, carbonation. Carbonation is, you know, pretty average across the board for most beers. Hefeweizens are special. Um, the wheat gives you a tremendous amount of protein in the beer. And those proteins basically bind together. If you drink an undercarbonated Hefeweizen, it comes off as very thick because of that. So we crank up our carbonation to almost three volumes where most beers have about two and a half to 2.7 volumes, um, you know, just nomenclature there, but it's a fair amount more, which is why it's very like spritzy and kind of jumps off the tongue and it is just makes it very, very easy to drink um, and it just cuts through that wheat protein. And so you get all this great body and smooth mouthfeel, but you also get that relief from the carbonation. So for comparison, because I normally, I always kind of think of carbonation as sort of a bad guy in a, when I'm drinking stuff, because I, I don't really like the seltzers. I don't like sodas that are like too overly carbonated and stuff. So what would be the volumes that you're looking at in something like that compared to this? Or is it because this is just so thick and the carbonation has to cut through it that you're not oh, getting that? Uh, three volumes you'll find in hard seltzers. You'll find them in carbonated waters. I mean, that's the same thing but there's nothing to hold it together. So you, you know, you take that sip and it's just like the bubbles just Bubbly dance. And fizzy. Yeah. It's, it's too much. Yep. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm not a big fan of carbonated water. We actually do make a line of hard seltzers um, that we started doing last summer. And that's been kind of fun because I do the same thing. I crank the vault, crank the CO2 up on those. And it's, it's, it's interesting to drink them. Cause it's like, ah, oh, that's just, it's more carbonation than I really want. Um, but I'll yep. drink this and it's the same amount of carbonation, but it's, just so much better right in a different package you don't get that out of it you don't get the same sort of you know crazy fizziness that's going on with it <laughs> i'm not, not with really you thing. guys i i drink seltzer water like yeah. it's nobody's business it's all i have all the time i don't even yeah. like plain water so <laughs> 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 we're on different boats <laughs> yep I, we all like the beer though that's what counts right and that's what makes that's what makes beer and food fun everybody's palate's different because i mean we, we you know we've seen hundreds and thousands of people come through and some people are very nice about things and they just, you know, 
they'll leave a beer behind or they won't say anything about it. And some people are like, Ooh, you know, I don't like that. Or that's not for me. And it's like, yeah, or, or I hope, I hope I don't offend you. It's like, no, I mean, I'm not you. You know, right. we, that's why we make so many beers. Like you are entitled to like and dislike whatever you want. Yep. Everyone has preferences and that's, you know, I've kind of gotten fatigued with all like the over hop stuff um, lately. And I've been searching out more like the Kohlschlager that we're going to get into next. Uh, I've been, that's a style that if I've been going to a restaurant, I've been going to a bar going out. Uh, that's something that I'm looking for typically on a menu, you know, kind of yeah. scanning through past all of the IPAs and, Oh, what else do they have here? What can I try? And a dark, you know, dark beers are great, especially in the winter and stuff, but they're just so heavy. And again, that's, you know, it's a commitment. It really is the way I like to look at it. And sometimes you just want something easy to drink. And these lagers and the white beers and everything have been definitely hitting the spot in that kind of time period. Yeah, we do a um, black lager, um, Schwarzwald, which is black forest. Um, it's actually the, so this is Vald, which is just forest as uh, our Bavarian Pilsner. Schwarzwald is the black lager and it's a really fun when people say um you know they like dark beers or they don't like dark beers because they're heavy we always are like oh you should try a little Schwarzwald because the black lager is just very clean uh it doesn't have that roastiness of stouts and porters and it has that lagering capacity where it's been sitting for eight weeks at cold temperatures just you know all those flavors come together and it drinks super smooth, very light. Um, and we like to keep that one on in the summertime as our dark summer beer. Yeah, that would be for, a good for the dark beer drinker that's out there. Yeah, that's one that I'm going to have to give a shot to because one of one of the good beers that I've had that's sort of along that style was actually Bianca and I took a trip, up, trip out to Vermont and I got one from the Alchemist. They had dark, which is their uh, Schwartz beer. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was, I would say, similar to that style, if not the same. And um, I loved it. It was great. But I don't see a lot of those. You know, yeah, it's no. a style that's just not, it's not out there in the shelves a whole lot. So yeah. it's I mean, always uh, porter is, is easy nomenclature for people. You see black lager or Schwartz beer and it's like, what, I'm not, what is that? I'm not doing that. Yeah. That's one of the biggest hurdles that we've had to overcome really is, you know, Weiss beer and Weizenbach and Weizen Doppelbach and black lager. And well, we actually started just calling it a black lager because people are like, I'm not drinking a Schwartz beer because I have no idea what it is. It's like, it's just a black lager. It's okay. Uh, so we do, again, a lot of education, a lot of beer education comes with it because the German, the German styles kind of really fell out of fashion um, quite a long time ago in this country and just became, you know, pale, pale, fizzy pilsners that dominated the industry for far too long. And um, when it comes to making those dark styles, so what is it that is really making them dark? Is it just the type of weed or type of uh, ingredients going in or is it due to the fact that you're roasting those and it's getting the color from... I guess the roasting of it. It gets um, so there's there's hundreds and hundreds of types of malt. Um, so we use pale wheat and Vienna in the um, Hefeweizen. We use Pilsner and a couple other uh, malts, very light malts in the Kolsch. Um, and then you can just keep scaling yourself up. The longer that these barley's sit at higher temperatures and get hotter and hotter and hotter, they start turning red. They start turning brown. They start turning black. So there's roasted barley, which you'll find in a lot of stouts. Um, there's black malts, which are really fun. There's a bunch of different varieties there. We like to use various degrees that are debittered. They actually take the husk off. So it lends boatloads of color, um, but doesn't add that astringent bitterness that you get with burnt things. Mm -hmm. um, 
So that, that's basically how we get a lot of the color. And that's how we do Schwarzwald. We use these debittered black malts where we can get all this color, but we don't add astringency. We don't add a lot of flavor. We don't add roastiness. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, roastiness is great, but it doesn't belong everywhere. Okay. Yep. So yeah, well, let's get into the, uh, the sun and shine next. Right. Here. All right. Sun and shine, just German for sunshine. It seemed to make so much sense. Uh, naming beers is very difficult. You'd think it'd be easy, but you start running into roadblocks for style. Sometimes the name comes first and that's the easiest. You develop the beer, but when the beer comes and it's coming down the pipeline, you're like, we need a name and then we need a label. Um, <laughs> On the bright side, because you're doing something that's a little bit different than a lot of the industry right now, it must be easier to not run into the same names as other people. Because we have seen that with some other people where, you know, everyone's making these sort of fruity, hoppy, hazy IPAs. There's only so many names you can take that relate to that. So in tasting this, this one definitely uh, fits the name. It's really light. It's really crisp. Um, I, I almost get more of a carbonation on this than I do on the other one um, from a mouthfeel perspective. But yeah, just really light, sweet. It's a definitely seems almost a little sweeter than the vice beer that we had before, uh, but definitely delicious. I yes. loved it. Yeah, That's why it's gone. One of my favorite beers. Um, when my wife and I went to Germany, I guess five or so years ago now, um, basically Kolsch comes from the city of Cologne and Altbeers, which is a copper ale similar to this, is from Dusseldorf. They're kind of sister cities, but you certainly don't ask for a Kolsch in Dusseldorf and you don't ask for an Altbeer in Cologne they will chastise you and kick you out of town. Um, so when we got back, those are the first two beers that I really wanted to work with. Um, and there's a lot of Kolsch's around, but when you get that really nice kind of floral bouquet um, in the nose, and then it also finished, like you said, it has that almost uh, the perception of a little bit of sweetness and flower flowers in there. That's a true Kolsch. Um, there's only one yeast in the world that makes those beers uh, and it comes out of Cologne and Dusseldorf. Uh, we import that particular strain in to do these beers because, you know, I'm a staunch believer in tradition when you're trying to make traditional beers. And that flavor is just, you know, what we drank while we were there and what we wanted to replicate when we got back. So it's, I mean, you can tell, let's wipe the haze off there. I mean, you can tell the, difference here you know you're, you're talking about a fully clear beer versus you know our, our hefeweizen which is nice and hazy um the kolsch is a is a fun style because it is it's an ale so ales and lagers lagers ferment at colder temperatures ales ferment at warmer temperatures because lagers ferment at colder temperatures they generally produce some byproducts mostly sulfurs that's why they need to lager which is cold condition that those flavors get reabsorbed but it takes four, six, eight weeks for that to happen. So with this, it's an ale, but we ferment it at cooler temperatures. So the Hefeweizen ferments at around 69, 70 degrees. Um, we ferment this at around 63 degrees. And for a comparison, we um, do our lagers around 53 degrees. Um, so that cooler fermentation doesn't give you a lot of ester profile, those fruitier notes that you get from um, say, you know, red ales and what you get in IPAs if it's not overly hopped, um, it, which is what lends this to be such a clean finishing, clean drinking beer. And this also just screams summer. Yeah. And it I was really just does. about to say that it really is. That's just a perfect summer beer. And you yeah, said this I, is I, the one that you have a limited brewing season on? 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so first I was going to say, I've been working all day, ended up brewing today and, and doing some other projects and I'm just sitting down. So these are my first beers of the day. I'm just like, Oh, bye. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So we have found a very specific season for Kolsch. Um, some beers don't have as much seasonality. Some beers do, some people drink seasonally, some people don't. Um, what we've noticed, we tried to push the limit on the Kolsch, which we've been doing for about five years. Um, and every year we keep coming back like, earlier and earlier in the season for when our last batch is brewed, because by September, you will not, we will not sell Kolsch. We won't sell it out of the brewery. We won't pour beers of it. We won't, we just get stuck with whatever we have. And it's a really funny phenomenon. It's really the only beer that that happens. Usually there's people that will come in and, you know, we'll move the, we'll move the beer a little slower, but it'll be gone. This one just, it stops. Hmm. Middle of August to late August, Kolsch stops. Everybody's like, kind of fatigued of summer beers uh and then you have the oktoberfest showing up and you've got some richer flavors coming out and everybody's just you know ready to move to fall and so it's, it's a really interesting phenomenon that we've noticed and especially being, up uh, here with the weather changes it's like your yeah. your tastes change with them yeah but then again you might have a 30 de degree day in july up here too so <laughs> also true yeah. <laughs> well, we just had a it was 81 82 degrees today yeah and then it was like 80 yesterday too it's nuts and then it'll uh, probably, again, it'll be in the 40s, 50s again next week. But well, we, did, we did wait a long time for it. Early May was still pretty cold. So, yeah. Being a uh, German-inspired and German-style brewery, do you have a lot of those, you know, fall, that Oktoberfest, you know, style beer? And what are those? Give us a little bit more info on those and, you know, how you work them into your lineup. Yeah, so um, we do our alt beer, which is the... Um, the copper kind of equivalent of this beer. We do that as the sort of later into summer um, to allow for an easy transition because again, same thing, ferments a little colder, doesn't have as much sweetness or ester profile as a red ale would, but it's copper in color. It's a beautiful beer. Um, finishes with a little bit of like cherry wood smokiness to it. Um, and also again, one of my, just one of my favorite recipes in beers. And then um, we're actually getting, it's already on the schedule because it takes us about 10 to 12 weeks to do um, our Rocktoberfest, which is our Martzen beer, uh, will be brewed next month and then lager in the tanks until the beginning of September. And so that'll come out um, this year for us, it'll be the first week of September. In the past, we've always tried to release it on Oktoberfest or the date that Oktoberfest starts, but we find now that these Martins and Oktoberfest styles are showing up at the beginning of September. So if we're not putting ours out at the beginning of September, we kind of get lost yep. in, in the melee that is Oktoberfest. Yep. And that's another style that's like, you have six weeks to sell whatever you make. Yeah. And then by early to mid-October, no, nobody's buying Oktoberfest anymore. It's, it's, it's a funny style. And once you get past that, what are people moving into kind of seasonally? Once you hit around, you know, Thanksgiving into November, December, is that switching? Do you see a full kind of stop where people are starting to head towards those stouts and porters? Or is there anything sort of in between there? Um, I mean, we kind of, we brew a little bit of intermediary stuff, but we're, we definitely see stouts, porters, and the further you get into winter, um, bigger stouts, bigger porters, um, barrel-aged bourbon stouts, things like that. Um, so we, we've, we've started trying to time up. Um, we have a big, a big event, local business um, event in November that goes on every year. And we've been doing beer releases for that weekend. And we did a 
bourbon barrel aged imperial stout a few years ago. And this year, I think we're planning on doing a Baltic porter, uh, an imperial Baltic porter. So it'll be a 9% lagered porter. Nice. So again, same sort of concept where you don't get so much richness and sweetness as you would a porter with an ale yeast. You're going to get a much cleaner profile, but at the same time, it is, it is, it's a big one. Yep. Dark, heavy, higher. Yeah, that'll be ABV. here for us and we're pretty excited for it. Yeah. That'll be a another fun one to try too. Yeah. I'm excited to get back out there and uh, have some beers at your uh, brewery. Last time I was there, it was really windy. I got yeah. <laughs> caught in a real windy day. Um, so I didn't get to hang out outside and have some beers, but I did get to meet the cat that uh, roams around yeah. outside. Yeah. It, awesome, awesome cat. It was the most dog-like cat I've ever met. Came over, laid down for belly rubs. It was, uh, yeah. it was awesome. She's the best of both worlds. <laughs> the beer garden. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the new food option that you have and how that came to be? Yeah. Um, so... We have a food truck on site um, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday all summer long. Um, hopefully we'll be adding Thursdays um, in the heat of summer this year. Uh, and we just by happenstance and a friend of ours who reached out, said his brother-in-law was starting a food truck and thought it would be a neat place. And we ended up touching base with him and he came out um, and he was all about it. He loves, loves the woods, loves being out here. Um, he was chef de cuisine at David's. Um, he's been up and down the seacoast. He's got quite a resume and he makes some fantastic food. It looks amazing. And do you actually give recommendations on what to order with certain things or is it just kind of a. So this, he's um, just finished his second weekend. Um, and he, he was, he evolved his menu. He basically, he worked very closely with my wife who runs everything else but the brewing uh in in the business and he reached out gave her the menu and she was like so you know being a german brewery um you know you may want to think about some german-centric things people come here and they, they like that so he turned around and was like oh that's great feedback um shot us another menu and now he has got um you know spatzla mac and cheese which is like a homemade um yeah. pasta um he's doing a, a chicken schnitzel cucumber salad, uh, German potato salad, a whole bunch of these things that now have a, a wonderful, you know, um, harmony with our beers. So as, as the time goes on, we definitely have a more and more pairing options going. And I know he's going to evolve the menu as the season gets really rolling here, but we are super excited to have him on site. And we actually um, break ground tomorrow on a full-blown beer garden excavation project. Wow. Hopefully, um, by middle of next week, we will have a fully hardscaped terraced and um, all sorts of new features out in the beer garden. That sounds, that sounds amazing. Nick nice. and I are definitely going to have to make a trip because I didn't get to go the last time. No. So I'm coming along, Nick. Yep. You're going to get it, buddy. I always have to drive <laughs> down to you. Get your ass up here. Come on. That's, <laughs> it's fair. That is, it is fair. It's not, it's not that far. <laughs> are, you, are you right in Boston? No, I'm actually, um, we're up near Ipswich. Okay. Yeah, so, so we're here. pretty far up in the North Shore. I'm really not that far. No. What do you got? Like an hour 15 in the winter, probably up you know, to me. So. Nobody wants to sit outside in the winter, so we usually just exchange cans. But now that the warm weather is coming and it's a new year and we're not as worried yeah. about being Things together be anymore. back up. Yeah. We'll yeah, be getting a, out more. Sure. It's an exciting time right now. We're actually um, getting ready to reopen indoors this weekend. Um, it, it's just it, 
seems like it happened really fast, um, but at the same time, it's been evolving for so long. So we've been constantly looking into how we're doing it. And, um, you know, we're just getting all of our signs ready and all that stuff. You know, we're going to remain masked indoors for the time being because our indoor space is a little bit smaller. And, you know, we have, we have a four-year-old daughter, um, some immunocompromised staff and everything too. So and it's fine to do that way, but yeah, it's good to be able to have that extra capacity that you can uh, get people inside and just, you know, it gets rid of that sort of, oh, I want to go out, but you know, the weather's kind of cold today or it's kind of windy. It'll give you that option as people can exactly. go and they'll still be able to enjoy the beers indoors and everything. So that'll be yeah. nice. <laughs> looks like Bianca's having some uh, technical difficulties yeah, right. <laughs> back and forth right now. But uh, my computer yeah. just shut, shut down on me. I don't know what happened. Nice. It's on my phone now. Yeah, I got well, technical difficulties okay. out of the way before we started. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't touch me. That's, that is true. I, I should have been more prepared. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, I think, I think Bianca's signaling <laughs> the end of this. So uh, tell us before we head off where people can find uh, your beers and your brewery online. Uh, in social media and everything like that so they can check you out for themselves yep uh it's nice beer g-n-e-i-s-s beer.com uh and the handle is at nice beer for all facebook instagram and all that jazz um we keep everything pretty up to date on the social media as far as instagram and facebook go the um the website has our draft menu our to-go list our merchandise stuff because we kind of evolved into doing all of our menu things online last year with um, the pandemic so it does have a lot of information as far as what beers are served all the pricing all that stuff um, but if you want to follow you know zwickle the cat um, the excavation project outdoors take a um, take a look at the food we're doing the beers we're doing um, that's all on instagram Awesome. And I will have links below to the website and to the Instagram so everyone can go check that out. But thank you again for taking the time to join us. We love the beers. Bianca, I told you, she uh, drank them all before the <laughs> podcast, but uh, I enjoyed yeah. them tonight for the first time and I was definitely uh, very happy with them. So I'm looking to come get some more in person and hang out at the brewery. Uh, cheers. We look forward to coming back in person for sure. Cheers. Bye, everyone. Sure to follow us on social at Uncorked Corner and on the blog at uncorkedcorner.com for a taste of more food and beverage content. And if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave a comment, subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Thanks for listening. Thanks.